Austin Voth and Spencer Watkins, two 30-year-old right-handed pitchers who each had breakout seasons for the Orioles in 2022. But the question we'll try to answer, did they each do enough this season to secure a spot in next year's starting rotation? That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to continue our Orioles 2022 player review series. And today, we're hitting on two players, two guys who were big surprises in the Orioles starting rotation this year, Austin Voth and Spencer Watkins. We're going to run through the season for each of those guys, and then at the end, talk about how they'll fit into the Orioles in 2023. Will they have a rotation spot? Will they even have a roster spot when we get to opening day? But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast. Before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. Remember, we're still five days a week here in the offseason until the MLB postseason ends. Monday through Friday, you can find the pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we're right here on the Locked on Orioles YouTube channel as well. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to get all of this O's content all off-season long. And even when the playoffs end, we'll still be three days a week with episodes Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays throughout the off-season. And we are continuing here our player review series. Earlier this week on yesterday's episode, we talked about Jorge Mateo, what role he could have going into next year after a very roller coaster season. Zach Goodman of the Bat Around at Press Box joined us yesterday. So make sure to go and check out that episode. And again, we thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. For your first listen today, we're talking about two 30-year-old righties for the Orioles, Austin Voth and Spencer Watkins. How'd they do this year and how do they fit in next year? So let's start with Austin Voth, who did have the better of the two players this season for the Orioles, but is the newer Oriole as well. So Voth, you know him, 30-year-old right-hander who the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Washington Nationals back on June 7th. Now, when the Orioles made that waiver claim after the Nats DFA'd Voth, it was interesting to look at because his stats with the Nationals up to that point, he had only pitched out of the bullpen, and in 18 and two-thirds innings, he had a 10.13 ERA with a horrendous Nats team. He wasn't even a high-leverage guy for one of the worst teams in baseball. And we continued to wonder a little bit, well, why did the Orioles claim a 10 ERA guy? Well, when you looked a little further and you heard from some Nats fans and people who cover Nats prospects, it always felt like, from them at least, and from people I talked to that cover the Nats organization, that this version of Austin Voth that we eventually saw in an Orioles uniform, they felt like was always there. And they really just felt like the Nationals player development system, which, as many know, is very much behind you know the rest of Major League Baseball, they always thought they never got the best out of Austin Voth. He had this elite curveball with crazy good spin and crazy movement. He could throw a fastball up in the zone. And he had some more if he wanted to reach into the tank. 
And the Nats just never got it out of him. He had some flashes throughout his career over the last few years with the Nats as a starter and as a reliever, never really put it together. And they DFA'd him. And it was also the question of, well, why is this last place Nationals team DFAing Austin Voth? He's still got plenty of years of control. You're a terrible team with terrible pitching. At least just hold on to him and see if you can make it work. But they just gave up on him, and the Orioles scooped him up immediately. And I did an episode the day after that waiver claim, kind of digging into Voth's career with the Nats, and was looking for basically the reason why the Orioles claimed him. Because when Mike Elias does claim a pitcher on waivers, generally, you can find a couple of traits for why. And I looked at that curveball, and I looked at the movement, and I looked at the spin, and I said, this is a guy who can throw fastball up, curveball down and away, and at the very least, get a lot of right-handers out. And that's what he did. But he did even more than that with the Orioles. In 22 appearances and 17 starts down the stretch with the O's, Austin Voth had a 3.04 ERA in 83 innings of work with Baltimore. He struck out 72 batters, walked just 25, allowed 77 hits and 10 home runs in that stretch, and was with the O's the entire time from when he was claimed to the end of the season, spent a little time in the bullpen, but was mostly in the starting rotation that entire time for the Orioles. Had a 3.96 FIP, was worth about two wins according to War on the season, a 244 batting average against him, and his BABIP of 283, pretty much a league average. So it's not like he was getting super lucky or super unlucky when balls were hit in play as well. So the question became, how did the Orioles get this version of Austin Voth when the Nationals just could not seem to do it? Well, number one is, as the O's have shown over the last few years since Mike Elias and his crew have taken over, their player development system is getting better and better, and it is leaps and bounds ahead of the Nationals at this point. So that's probably reason number one why the Orioles made Austin Voth better. But another reason is they looked at his stuff, and I'm kind of proud of this one because I looked at his stuff when they claimed him, and this is also kind of embarrassing for the Nationals. That a guy who loves baseball and myself and loves the Orioles and loves to break down the Orioles and I talk about him every day, but I'm nothing, and not, not anywhere close to a baseball analyst or a guy who's looking at TrackMan data or anything like that. And I pretty much called out the fact that the O's could reshape his curveball a little bit, have him throw fastballs and get guys out and maybe add another pitch. And that's exactly what he did. His curveball, which continued to have elite horizontal movement, one of the top five curveballs in all of baseball in terms of movement, with really good spin rates on that curveball as well. Well, he continued to throw it, and a curveball that was getting hit hard in Washington, the Orioles just changed the shape and changed the release point of that curveball just a tick. He released it a little more vertically when he got to Baltimore. They changed him just slightly mechanically. And, well, the curveball down the stretch became a go-to pitch for Austin Voth. would get a lot of swings and misses, especially against right-handed batters, and he went to that pitch time and time again with the Orioles. Now, what else did he do with the Orioles? Well, he added a new pitch. As many O's did this year, he added baseball's most popular pitch, the sweeper slider. We saw Jordan Lyles add that pitch. Of course, we saw Voth. We saw Spencer Watkins add that pitch, which we'll talk about later in this episode. But Voth didn't add it immediately. He started working on it when he got to the Orioles, and then they debuted it later in the season. Well, he ended up only throwing the sweeper 5% of the time because he really only had it for the final two months of the year. But when he threw it, it was his best pitch once he found the command of it. That sweeper had just a 158 batting average against it. That was his best number of any pitch. And a 35% swing and miss rate against that sweeper was also 
the best for Austin Voth against any of his pitches this season. So we didn't see enough of it to know that it's going to be an elite pitch moving forward, but Voth's going to go into spring training next year with that sweeper, and he's going to be a fastball, curveball, sweeper guy, and he may drop either the changeup or the cutter we will see. But the other thing that the sweeper was able to give him is the ability to drop his cutter usage because Voth trusted his cutter because it was a pitch that he felt like he could always throw for a strike. And it was a little bit of a wrinkle on his four-seam fastball, obviously cut the ball you know, in on lefties. It was a pitch he used against lefties, could throw it away from righties, and he knew he could throw for a strike. So it was kind of his safe pitch. But he left it out over the plate a little too much, and opponents hit 343 against his cutter this year. So what did that sweeper give him? The sweeper gave him a pitch that moved from right to left, but was much, much, much better than his cutter. So once he implemented the sweeper with a couple months left in the season, his sweeper usage, of course, went up, and his cutter usage went way down there late in the season. He would still throw it when he needed a strike, you know, 2-0 count. He'd, he'd throw a cutter over there just to get back in the count, maybe a 3-0 pitch, 3-1 pitch. But he wasn't using it to get outs. He wasn't throwing a lot of, you know, 1-2, 0-2 cutters anymore once he had that sweeper. And that made him a completely different pitcher down the stretch. And we talked about, you know, the sweeper being there. And then as he added that pitch, his curveball got better as I talked about. Here is his WOBA, his weighted on-base average, a stat that kind of looks similar to on-base percentage but does a nice job of pulling in all the elements of slugging percentage and on-base percentage and batting average and power. His WOBA against his curveball in April with the Nationals was 504. That is bad. In May with the Nationals, 665. That is horrendous how well they were hitting his curveball. Then he goes to the Orioles. Immediately in June, Woba against his curveball, 205. Woba against it in July, 184. August, September, both well under 300 as well. So he basically turned that pitch around, which had always been his best pitch, had just left him in Washington because they weren't sure what to do with it. He came to Baltimore. They knew how to make it better, and they immediately made it better. I think Austin Voth, right now, is one of the Orioles' best player development success stories so far among the group of players who they've brought in on waivers. I think Jorge Lopez is a big one there too, but Lopez was a reliever with this success. Voth was a starter with this success, and he did pitch out of the bullpen a little bit, had a 2.70 ERA as a reliever, 3.07 as a starter with the Orioles, and his September was not as good as the rest of the season. I mean, a 3.86 ERA in September. I'll still take that any day of the week, but his fastball got hit in September, where it really wasn't getting hit all year with the O's. It got hit at a 343 clip in September, so that was a little worrisome. But when you look at his numbers, I mean, in terms of Woba, against lefties, he allowed 331. Against righties, 332. So he's basically got the same numbers against righties and lefties. And even though all his stuff tells you that he was dominate righties and maybe struggle against lefties, he gets them both out. Now, he strikes out right-handed batters at a higher rate than he does lefties, which you would expect, but he still gets lefties out. And that's just the whole summation of how good Voth's season was. Again, he is 30 years old, but he's not a free agent till after 2026. I mean, still got a year till he even hits arbitration here with the Orioles. They found a good one. I just don't understand why the Washington Nationals let him go, and Nats fans feel the same way. But the Orioles jumped in on this one. And later in this episode, we're going to talk about how he fits in in 2023 and beyond with the O's. 
But this is a success story for Michael Elias and the Orioles. They took a player from a bad player development system, they fixed him up with their good player development system, and immediately made him a big-time contributor on a team in a playoff race, and basically did it right away from the moment he came over in early June. That shows you that the Orioles have pretty much transitioned from the team that that happened to, where, you know, the Rays or the Yankees or whomever would take their players and make them better. Now the Orioles are taking other teams' players and making them better for themselves, and that is a great spot to be in here in baseball in the 21st century. But Austin Voth, he was not the only 30-year-old righty who had a career year and really used a sweeper to make himself better in 2022. Spencer Watkins kind of did the same thing. He didn't have exactly the same amount of success, but he put himself in the conversation to be back with the Orioles next year. So coming up next, we'll talk about Spencer Watkins' season and what he did and what he changed after returning from injury to be really a crucial part of this Orioles rotation. But first, I got to tell you about Roan. Now, I'm wearing a dress shirt right now. I wear dress shirts from time to time when I go to work. And Roan is the dress shirt that you need. This is just the best because the dress shirt, it was due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man. And here's why. It's got comfortable four-way stretch fabric that provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy just everything life throws your way from your commute to work to maybe 18 holes of golf. And you can feel confident in your Roan shirt because it's wrinkle-free. That's no hassle. And with its gold fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether for these shirts. They're comfortable. You can be mobile in these shirts. And the commuter shirt, it just gets you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. So head to roan.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to roan.com. That's R-H-O-N-E.com slash locked on and use code locked on. It's time to find your corner office comfort. So we just talked about one 30-year-old righty who saw a renaissance with the Orioles this year in Austin Voth. Now we talk about another guy, another 30-year-old righty who did the same thing this year. And that is Spencer Watkins, who of course was in his second season with the Baltimore Orioles in 2022. And as we know, it wasn't all sunshine and roses for Spencer Watkins in 2021. He had a cool debut with the O's when he came up around June of last year, had a nice start in Anaheim against the Angels. But in general, Watkins really struggled last season. 54 and two-thirds innings, 16 appearances, 10 starts, and an 8.07 ERA for the O's in 2021. He comes back in 2022 and essentially is on the roster early in the year because John Means goes down. Means goes down in his second start, has to get Tommy John surgery, and immediately Spencer Watkins is called up to be that fifth starter as soon as Means got injured. So he was expecting to start the year and, and be in AAA for a while, but... There he is right back after the O's had brought him back on a minor league deal, and he gets into the rotation. And he was solid. It was games that were winnable when he was pitching early. And then he 
suffers the injury. On May 22nd, in the first inning of a start against the Rays, before he had even recorded an out, he gets nailed by a line drive on the forearm, has to leave the game, and missed about a month with that injury. And when he came back, the Orioles you know, did put him in the rotation after a little bit of time down at AAA just to rehab. And he was a completely different pitcher after that. Now, he did struggle in September, which we'll get to. But from June 25th through August the 24th, that two-month stretch right there, Watkins had a 2.83 ERA in 54 innings of work in that stretch of two months. That stretch of two months was also when the Orioles went on their 10-game winning streak, when they went from a losing record to a winning record, when they all of a sudden found themselves in the playoff race and got as close as a half game back of a playoff spot in that stretch. And that was by far Watkins' best stretch of the season and of his career. There's a little bit of correlation right there because Watkins was the number five starter for the Orioles that entire time. And when your number five starter is going that good, your team is going to go that good in general because there's not as much of a weak link you know, every fifth day in your rotation. That was huge for the Orioles. Now, his stats overall in the season, 23 appearances. He made 20 starts for the O's and had a 4.70 ERA with a 4.24 FIP. So numbers show he maybe even got a little unlucky and could have even been better this year. He threw 105 and a third innings, which just about doubled his total from last year. Allowed 119 hits, 63 strikeouts, 30 walks, and 11 home runs allowed. Again, a 13 to 14% K rate. Very well below league average, but his 6.5% walk rate also below league average as well. A 308 BABIP showed that, you know, basically he didn't get super lucky or unlucky and ended up throwing more ground balls than fly balls on the season. But when you look at Watkins' struggles in 2021, then you look what he did, especially in that stretch, and even in general. I mean, a 4.70 ERA, you still take that in today's game, especially from a five starter. But you're looking at him. And you see the stuff, and the velocity was up early in the season. But in general, you know, his velocity was only on his fastball, maybe about a half mile per hour up on average from last year. So it's not like that got way better. But when you look at the stuff, you see, oh, wait, just like Austin Voth, just like many Orioles pitchers this year, he added a new pitch, and that pitch was that sweeper slider. He did a lot of work at driveline this offseason, helping to add that pitch, and he really debuted it big time when he returned in late June from the injury and by the end of the year he was throwing that sweeper about 18 percent of the time the sweeper slider was his third most used pitch it was dominant I mean his sweeper was just as good as Austin Voth's it was better than Jordan Lyle's sweeper that pitch opponents hit only 185 against Watkins sweeper this year they had a 26 percent whiff rate against that pitch this season it was, I mean, pretty close to being considered an elite pitch in Major League Baseball, as close as Spencer Watkins has to an elite pitch. And we know Watkins' plan in general has been just kind of throw the kitchen sink. I mean, he threw six different pitches this year, four-seamer, cutter, slider, curveball, changeup, and sinker. He actually started tossing a sinker there to right-handers late in the season as well to get him to six different offerings to just help him get some outs. He was one of a few Orioles righties to add a sinker late in the season. And that kitchen sink approach, it would work from time to time. He would just keep guys off balance. He would get soft contact, get a lot of pop-ups, early in counts, allowed him to even pitch deep into games sometimes, into the sixth and seventh innings for the Orioles, which he didn't really do at all in 2021. And he was just a different pitcher. That 2.83 ERA from June 25th to August 24th, you were confident. I mean, don't lie to yourself. 
do you remember being confident when Spencer Watkins would go to the mound? Because I do remember that in that two-month stretch when the Orioles were playing great baseball. I was confident that Spencer Watkins was going to give us six innings, maybe two runs, and just keep the Orioles in the game every time he went out there. And that's pretty much exactly what he did in that two-month stretch. Now, you can't bottle it up completely because, as we know, September was really, really bad. Watkins had a 7.02 ERA and 16 and two-thirds innings pitched in September. He had a really bad start against Cleveland in his last start of August and then followed up with two more bad starts early in September. That actually forced him to be sent down to AAA when Tyler Wells uh, returned to the roster from injury and, and took his rotation spot back. Watkins went to AAA at that point. He pitched better in AAA, actually got a chance to come back to the team and pitched in relief down the stretch as the Orioles were falling out of contention there in September. So it was a lot of mop-up appearances as well. But the stuff just didn't look nearly as crisp in September. And that's something to definitely slightly worry about. I mean, you know, you don't like to finish the season as poorly as he did and, and get demoted to AAA for a few weeks. It's obviously not what... Watkins wanted here. I mean, you, you just look at, at what the stuff did, you know, in in September and the fastball, which was so good all year. I mean, the four-seam fastball, the spin rate was up, the velo was up a little bit, but he was just on the corners with that four-seamer all season. Well, that pitch got hit at a 364 batting average in September, where it was, you know, 214 in August and 238 in July and 167 in June. He couldn't play off that four-seamer like he wanted to. And the other thing was that sweeper slider, which had been dominant all year, opponents hit 462 against it in September. So that pitch, the command of it, just kind of left him in the final month of the season as well. He's another guy like Voth who added a sweeper but still does rely on that cutter. And it'll be interesting to see for Spencer Watkins this offseason. I think a lot is going to ride on what he does with that cutter because it's kind of a go-to pitch for him. It's his second most used pitch this year. He threw it 28% of the time, about 87 miles per hour, but opponents hit 328 against it. I mean, they squared up that cutter from time to time. However, it didn't lead to a whole lot of extra base hits. There was some just unluckiness involved with Watkins' cutter. It's a pitch he can throw for a strike a lot of times. It still has a 26% whiff rate, which is way, way better than his four-seamer at just a 9% whiff rate. So he's still getting some swings and misses on that pitch. In terms of other, other cutters in the league, it's in the top 10% uh, in terms of horizontal movement, the movement going right to left when he throws that cutter so it breaks more than other guys cut fastballs. But that got hit hard. The curveball got hit hard at times, just kind of a big looping 77-mile-per-hour curveball that he would just kind of drop in for a strike at times, but also guys would square up when it was in the middle of the plate. So you look at all that stuff, and you know he's never going to be a top-of-the-rotation starter. But really the question for Watkins is you see him add the sweeper, and you see the success in that two-month great stretch, and then a really bad end of the season is, did he do enough, or can he do enough this offseason, to have a spot with an Orioles team that should be getting better and improving that rotation heading into 2023. And that's the question we're going to try to answer for both Watkins and Austin Voth coming up next to finish off the podcast. Will both of these guys, one of these guys, or neither of these guys be a main part of the Orioles starting rotation in 2023? But first, got to tell you about 
a snack that should be a main part of your snack rotation. Now, I'm going to talk about Built Bars. You've heard me talk about them plenty of times because they have so many delicious flavors of protein bars. The best tasting protein bar on the market. They've got savory flavors. They've got sweet flavors, fruity flavors as well. All the bars covered in 100% real chocolate and they're delicious. But if you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There is a new flavor of the Puffs. It is delicious, indulgent cookie dough. The first ever protein-infused marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. And they're healthy. The cookie dough chunk Puffs are only 160 calories each. And each one has a whopping 15 grams of protein. So run to Built.com, snag a box for you, for the family. It will be the perfect treat. So whether you want to try the new cookie dough chunk puffs, the other flavors of puffs, or the classic flavors of the delicious Built Bars, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15, and get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off at Built.com. So today we talked about Austin Voth and Spencer Watkins, two 30-year-old right-handers who really each had a breakout season of their own in 2022. So now we get to the question, where will each guy fall in with the Orioles in 2023? Let's start with Austin Voth. I think unless something goes really wrong this offseason, he's going to have a spot, at least on the Orioles' opening day roster, next season. Now, whether that is as a starter or reliever, I'm unsure. But the good thing is, he showed success in both of those roles with the Orioles. Now, obviously, he had 17 starts versus five relief appearances with the O's, and he was bad out of the bullpen with the Nats early in the season before they DFA'd him. But I think he can handle that role. He could maybe be a piggyback guy, throw two innings. I could even see a scenario in which, you know, maybe the Orioles are transitioning D.L. Hall back to a starter next year, and maybe they expect, you know, four innings out of Hall, and then they try to get two or three innings out of Voth behind him, you know, in the first couple times through the rotation of the year, and then go to the back end of the bullpen after that. I think that's certainly a possibility. Austin Voth could maybe be, uh, you know, a first-half version of Keegan Aiken, but, you know, maintain it through the entire season and be that, you know, two-inning relief guy who bridges it to the back end and gets some key outs in the fifth, sixth, and seventh innings for you. I think he could play that role But he could also just be a starter. And, you know, Voth rarely pitched into the sixth inning this year. You could basically count on him throwing precisely five innings when he got a start on the mound for the Orioles. But those guys are still big in Major League Baseball today. You still have those five-and-dive guys you talk about who give it their all for five innings, get some strikeouts, give up a run or two, get out of the game, and, and give you a chance to win, especially if you have a good bullpen like the Orioles had all season and expect to have in 2023 as well. So I see Voth having a role either way. But you have to look at the rotation options for the Orioles to really figure out would he have a rotation spot. And the difference between Watkins and Voth is, A, Voth did have a better season than Watkins. He has better stuff overall and better potential moving forward. But Watkins also did not succeed in relief. In fact, it was pretty rough in relief for Spencer Watkins. And this is something I've talked about throughout the season You know, Spencer Watkins had this starting role because he had to when Means got injured, but then he proved that he could keep that role throughout the season. But I always said, you know, hey, a guy like Voth with this high spin curveball and this fastball up in the zone, I thought a guy like that could really, you know, succeed out of the bullpen if he needed to. I always thought with Watkins stuff, it wouldn't really work out of the pen. And that is what we have seen so far in his two years in the big. So for Spencer Watkins... 
he's probably going to need to either win a rotation spot or he's going to be back down in AAA with the Norfolk Tides. And unfortunately for Spencer Watkins, I do think that'll be his role. I mean, there is a potential that the Orioles could DFA Watkins this offseason. I mean, they did it last year. Obviously, he didn't have success last year, but they did it last year and they signed him back to a minor league deal. I think because the 40-man roster spots are so big, the Orioles plan to add to their starting rotation this offseason, whether it be via trade or free agency, there's a scenario where Spencer Watkins gets DFA, and I think he could get claimed if he does. And even if he doesn't get claimed, he could accept free agency and maybe try to sign a big league deal with another team instead of the Orioles trying to offer him what I would think would be another minor league deal to come back next season. So there's no guarantee that Watkins is back even you know in spring training competing with the Orioles in February. But if he is, I even think it's going to be tough for him to win that rotation spot. Again, Voth, I think, has that fallback to be in the bullpen and still be effective. I don't think Watkins has that. And when you look at the rotation answers, just going into next season, Kyle Bradish, Tyler Wells, Dean Kramer, all pitched well enough in the rotation this year to have a spot going into next year. Then you hope you add Grayson Rodriguez to that group. And D.L. Hall is a top prospect. That's just all from interior options who are healthy. Jordan Lyles could be in that mix. We'll see if the Orioles pick up his $11 million option for 2023. I certainly hope the Orioles make at least one free agent signing or make a trade for a big league starter that puts them in the mix. So right there, there's seven starting pitching options potentially without even mentioning Austin Voth and Spencer Watkins. And as I said, I would put Watkins behind Voth at this point. So Watkins at best is ninth. Maybe he's eighth if you don't think the Orioles will pick up Lyle's option. So at the very best, if you're going into next year as the eighth option, I think more likely he'd be the ninth or tenth starting pitching option heading into spring training for the Orioles. Unless there's a lot of injuries, if you're Spencer Watkins, you're very much behind the eight ball. And again, I don't think they would put him in a bullpen role in the opening day rotation. So I think Spencer Watkins, despite all the improvements is either going to be AAA starting pitching depth for the O's, which again, I am all for having Watkins back in AAA as depth. You always need starting pitching depth as it showed this year. Watkins stepped up. He could get a chance to step up again next year. But when you have all these names, you know, I didn't even mention Mike Bauman, who got his chance to start at the end of the season. Didn't even mention Drew Rahm, who's going to be put on the 40-man roster next year and was starting in AAA at the end of the year. Didn't even mention a guy like Bruce Zimmerman, who, although was bad late in the year and spent most of the season in AAA, he was the Orioles' best pitcher for the first two months. So, you know, maybe he makes some adjustments and he could get back to that level that he had early in the season, which was better than we saw from Spencer Watkins. So I think Watkins just could be very much behind the eight ball. And again, I love what he did for the Orioles this year. I don't know if he's going to make his way back to this team. And if he doesn't, we thank him for what he did with the O's. But I do think both will have some sort of role, either in the bullpen or a starter. I think more likely the bullpen, if the O's add as much as I think they can to the rotation heading into 2023. But that'll do it for today's episodes. A couple of guys, either way, really had some key breakout seasons for the Orioles and really, really helped them in that rotation, helped them stay in a wild card race fantastically for most of this 2022 season. But coming up tomorrow, we are going to continue our player review series. It continues to be fun, and we're going to talk about another right-handed starter for the Orioles, a guy who definitely had some low lows this season, but also had some incredibly high highs. We're going to talk about Kyle Bradish, his breakout rookie year, 
and what his outlook looks like. Could he be the ace of the Orioles next year? We'll talk about that coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.